0: We've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, Tracy and I met with a few people this week, and oh, I'm so excited, but I don't want to tell you yet because oh, it's just so much fun. We, we met with a ministry in the city that, that uh, well, I'll go ahead and tell you. We met with a ministry in the city, and if you're familiar with uh, Light of the Village, I know, I'm terrible. With Light of the Village, uh, somebody recommended us. I, I, I felt like when we got back from Honduras, I wanted to reach out to the community in our city. And they're stationed right in the middle of Pritchard, and it's kind of a, an area that really needs a lot of ministry there. And they started really, really rough some almost 15 years ago. And have had a hard start, and they've gotten going. And we went and met with them. And I was just wanted to see what their ministry was like and see if they were, you know, loving and life-giving and, and if we would fit there. And asked a few pointed questions like I was trying to just kind of see what they were about. And they are awesome, and they're doing some great things. And so um, we met with them once. Trace and I went down there and met with them. And then we're going to continue to meet with them until we can plug in. And we're going to get a group together pretty soon to go down there and help them and support them in their ministry. And it's going to be an ongoing outreach that we're going to do. This is going to be one of, I know, two that we're working on. That's going to be continual. We'll still do some of our other outreaches that are, you know, we call um, high volume, low impact, where we go out and we just love people for the Lord. We're going to still do those, but these are going to be more relational, where we're going to continue to build relationships with people. And as I've kind of reevaluated church life, that's what I see. I, th- I think that there's a lot of emphasis on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights in in American church, and sometimes church attendance can be pretty and ministry can be messy uh, quite honestly i want to make sure that we're covering all the bases and what we're doing and, and we're doing what the lord called us to do so the more i look at scripture the more i see a lot more hands-on stuff and not just talking i love to talk and that doesn't mean don't come on sundays please come on sundays but i want to make sure that that we are giving you guys enough opportunity to live it out does that make sense so we want to create opportunities for you to 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 actually live out what we talk about on Sundays. so anyway i I'm, I'm it was so exciting and Tracy will tell you we left there like this is so cool this is so neat, and uh, what they're doing is really, really, really good. So, Huh? Well, what is? Oh. Well, I don't have a lot of time. We're going to get into it in another meeting. Well, basically, they, they basically have summer camps there, and it was real intense, and they had a bunch of people, a bunch of kids there. And the kids come in there, and, and uh, uh, a lot of their parents just send them there, and so they just end up there by themselves. And so they teach them through these summer camps, and it's kind of like VBS but much more intentional and longer. And so they build a lot of relationships in there. And what, what is really cool about this is as the kids grow up in uh, Light of the Village, they become teen leaders. And then they, they start kind of taking over as helping. And then there are some that come in and they're older and they're teens already. Well, they give them jobs, and it's, it's not much, but they give them a, a salary so that they can come and they help clean up and they help with some of the stuff until they can kind of see how they do things. Well, just recently, um, and I don't want to scare you all off before you get there, but just recently there were a few shootings down there, and one of the main supporters is a missionary team that that stays with them. They pulled out because they were scared. They said, we can't be in here, so they pulled out. Well, they talked the leaders, as we were talking to them, they said, you know, we didn't know what to do because we had never run this place without them here. But they said, we're not going to stop. And so all of their leaders that have, have been raised, this is what's so awesome about this, all the leaders that started as children and grew up in there, they stepped up and they kept going. And they began to, to live in their calling. And it all started because they came in there for a summer camp. And they've got, they've got GED programs in there. They've got um, a lot of other really cool programs. And There's a lot that we, we talked about. I just don't have enough time. I know Tracy wants to tell you all of it, but I can't tell you all of it now. We're going to have a separate meeting about that. And I want to encourage you to come to it because it's awesome what they're doing. And we just want to support them and help them. So, Anyway, I'm excited about it. Um, Plus, it goes along with everything that I've been seeing about breaking a lot of the cultural boundaries and denominational boundaries. They said they don't get a lot of help from some of the local churches because of doctrinal differences, and it's so frustrating. Jesus, why can't people see it? So we'll we'll get get to more of that later. So so much, so much going on. Um, I encourage you guys, and and most of you won't like this, but I encourage you to get up early every once in a while. (laughs) I got up early this morning and came up, which I usually come up here early and, and I try to pray over the sanctuary and pray over the seats and, and just walk around the church and pray. Honestly, because I'm so busy usually that I don't get a lot of time to listen. I do a lot of talking. And so I want to encourage you sometimes to get up and get away every once in a while and just listen to the Lord because he's got a lot of good things to say. Um, and that's pretty much all I have to say about that. But it was, it had a good morning so far without me even preaching. So if I don't preach well, I'm sorry. Um, but I want to tell you a story first. Um, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to lay down. Ugh. So, <laughs> if you guys will go on a journey, I'm going, to, I'm going to take a quick journey. I know this may seem kind of odd. Don't make it awkward. <laughs> but I'm going to, too late. Okay. So, I'm going I'm to paint a picture for you guys. This is a story, and I just feel like this will be more vivid this way. So, just bear with me. All right. Imagine you're in Sulfur, Louisiana. This is where I was living at the time. I was 13 years old, which is crazy because my oldest daughter's 12. I'm laying on, on a gravel drive in a cemetery next to a restaurant called Cajun Charlie's. I can't make this stuff up. So I'm laying down and uh, laying down this gravel, I can feel the gravel in my back and I can't breathe. Back up a little bit, I'm riding my bike at the speed of light <laughs> because I'm really fast. And 13 years old, I'm heading home at the time. We were living in some apartments in Sulphur. And I'm heading home on my bike, going really, really fast. It's a a way that I always go. And I'm pretty familiar with it. Um, This is one of my many near-death experiences, and you'll hear more if you stick around. As I go through this place that I'm very familiar with, um, somebody apparently closed the cemetery. I don't know why you would do that. But they put a cable, a very large cable across (laughs) Although this cable is very large and very strong, stronger than my neck, it uh, was not very visible <laughs> with the surroundings. So as I'm traveling at the speed of light on my bicycle, I, this, this cable catches me across my throat and I get clotheslined. I don't know if you've ever been clotheslined. Anybody been clotheslined? All right, it's no fun. So I get clotheslined, my bike goes flying, my feet go up in there like Charlie Brown and I land on my back and it knocks my wind out. Well, I've had, I've had my wind knocked out before uh, another near-death experience before this was when I got hit by a truck. I swear that it really happened. And my wing got knocked out. But this specific time, this wire caught me across the throat. So I knew without a shadow of a doubt while I was laying there on, on this gravel that I was done. <laughs> like, my lar- is larynx a thing? Larynx? larynx? My- <laughs> I'm Cajun. It's a larynx. My larynx was gone. My windpipe wind hole that I breathe through, whatever it is. I knew it was crushed and I was dead. And I, th- I seriously, literally thought to myself at 13 years old, at least I'm in the cemetery, they won't have to move me very far. <laughs> I really, th- I was looking and there's gravestones literally on both sides of me, I'm going, this is how it ends, this is it, I'm done. And so finally my breath came back to me and I was like, wait a minute, I might live, I might be okay. And so I got up. Ugh. And I got on my bike, and from that point on, at least for that day, I realized that I was invincible. <laughs> I mean, what, what other conclusion could you come by? I had obviously cheated death again. Like, there had been several times before this. It wasn't the first time. And so this was a little past, and you guys have probably heard the, uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, what were they called? The Thundercats, you've heard the Thundercats story. This was a little beyond the Thundercats stage, although you really never get beyond the Thundercats stage. But it was a little beyond that where I had gotten to, I was 13, so I was a little more mature, but I still thought I knew everything. But I, I, I could ride my bike and do tricks and stuff, so I thought, well, I'm just going to, I'm just hauled butt home. And it's like, I'm invincible. I can ride really fast, and I'm good. So all of this was very, very real to me at the time. I mean, very, very real. And I was probably a pretty dramatic, well, I was. I was a very dramatic kid. So, but I really thought that I was going to die, similar to when someone accidentally stabbed me with a a, a pencil and I thought I was going to die of lead poisoning, but I found out that's really not even lead, it's graphite. But at the time, I thought I was a goner. So, but that was very real to me. (laughs) Cajun Charlie's side note was also the first place I tried alligator, so I'm a real Cajun, I've eaten alligator. So, um, here's what what I want to talk about today is life and the reality of the life that's in us. there is, there is, just like we said earlier, there is, there is more to life than you think. And I know this because I thought I knew everything. <laughs> I always thought I knew everything. Um, and I looked up a few words, and there's a, there's a few words in the Greek. Um, zoe is the word that I looked up, but then the, the word it comes from is, I don't know how you pronounce it, Zio, Z-A-O. Um, but it means, Zoe in essence means life. But then when you go back to what it's been translated from as Z-A-O, these are the definitions. Now listen to this. This is important because every time I say life, this is what I'm talking about. It says, to live, breathe, be among the living, not lifeless, not dead. Okay? The second part of this definition says, to enjoy real life, to have true life and worthy of the name, active, blessed, endless in the kingdom of God, living water, having vital power in itself, and exerting the same upon the soul. To be fresh, strong, effective, efficient, active, powerful. Man, I never thought about that when I said life. <laughs> but this is what the Bible says when it says life, and especially when it's talking about the word Zoe. Not just life, there are other words that, that we get other words from that are our mortal life, but this is talking about life of God. So anytime we talk about this, what we're talking about. So when you receive the Spirit of God in you, you didn't just get a ticket into heaven, Okay. Now, when I first got saved, that's what I thought that meant. I thought, okay, well, I'm saved now. We use this term saved a lot in the Christian community. Okay, well, I'm saved, so I have a ticket to heaven. Well, yes, you get to go to heaven. That's the fruit, not the root. When you're actually saved, when you're born again, you enter into a a new covenant, a relationship with the Lord. It's not just religious duties. Um, It is actually new life. It's not a better old life. It's your old life is gone, new life starts. It's It is life. It is Zoe life. It is Zoe life. Um, And so, John 6.32, uh, if you want to turn there, this is Holman version, Holman Christian Standard. Um, John 6.32, verse 32, it says, Jesus said to them, I assure you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, But my Father gives you the real bread from heaven, for the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. This reminds me of uh, the law and grace, how the law came through Moses and grace came through Jesus. Verse 34 said, Then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. This reminds me of Jordan, for some reason, my youngest. (laughs) Because she uses the terms, always, I want this always. Give us this bread always. I want all this, all the time. Verse 35, I am the bread of life, Zoe. I am the bread of life, real life. Jesus told them, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Jesus is identifying where you need to get your nourishment, your sustenance, your everything from. It's only found in him. It's not found anywhere else. How many of you have looked for nourishment and and, and your, your purpose and everything elsewhere? Anybody? Okay, a few honest people. So the I have done it several times. I've looked for that in other places. And it always, it can be temporary. Some of you that have experienced it, it can be temporary. And you feel like that's, that's it, that this is life, this is good. But it always ends. That it always has death at the end or um, shame or guilt or it's always laced with something else. And it ends. That's why addictions, you're always looking for another high. You're always looking for something else. You always need something else. And that's why I love how he says this here. You'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty. It's like bucketfuls, like when I would be when I would look for things. I was, you guys, most of you know, I was radically saved at twenty. But before that, I was constantly trying to fill up these buckets and and make this my life. But they were constantly, I keep having to refill them. Keep having to refill them. And what he's saying here is, look, I give you life and give it more abundantly. I give you the real life, the zoe, the life. This is real. This is reality. I don't give you an imitation of it. Listen, we're not imitators of Christ. We are indwelled with Him. This is the Holy Spirit that lives in us. What we're talking about here and what I've titled this this series is walking in the Spirit. Listen, we can't can't walk around trying to look like Christ. It won't work. We're indwelled with Christ. The Holy Spirit is within us. I fear that a lot of ministries and churches have some, I hope unintentionally, tried to create a religious system that mimics Christianity. And that's very scary. Because what it can do is it can set a lot of people up for failure. Because without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit you can't make it. You can follow procedures and you can follow rules and regulations but that's not what Christ died for. He died for a relationship with His people and His Holy Spirit to dwell within us and that's life, that's Zoe, that's abundant life. He didn't, he didn't die so that we can have ten steps to being a better Christian. He didn't die so that we could... Let's make your old life better. He, your old life was crucified on the cross. It's gone. It is no more. All the devil can do is try to remind you of it. Hey, look back at who you were. You're not that person anymore. This is reality now. Jesus Christ lives with you. He's in you. He's inside you. So when you're walking in the Spirit... You're not walking to look like something. You are walking with him. He is with you. We talked about last week when, 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 uh, when I ride the lawnmower and, and Kylie's with me, I can smell the uh, shampoo in her hair. That's how close we are. That's, that's, I, just, I use that imagery for me because it's good because that's how close he is. He's even closer than that. We sing he's closer than the breath in our lungs. This, this is how real he is to me. And he, I hope he is to you. He's very real. This is not a... a me trying to convince you of my way of thinking, of my doctrine. Churches have gotten caught caught up way too much in doctrine. There's nothing wrong with doctrine, but that's not life. Doctrine's not life. Christ is life. All right. John 6.51 says this, I am the living bread, listen to that, living bread, that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. At that, the Jews argued among themselves, How can this man give his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, I assure you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life. Listen, Zoe, you do not have life in yourselves. Because my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me, and I am in him. Listen, that's what the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is that real, that it's His flesh and His blood. This is the imagery that He's trying to give us. He's not physically talking about us gnawing on His arm. (laughs) He's talking about how real the reality of Him and us is. He's he's crashing His kingdom into ours. He's saying, I'm bringing divinity into your, your humanity. This is real. And we've gotten caught up in this eternal life. Okay, well, we get saved. I'm frustrated with a lot of... with a lot of, And I don't mean to be arrogant, but I'm frustrated with a lot of Christian terms. We're saved for eternal life, so we get saved so we get a ticket to heaven so that we can live forever in heaven. They don't need you in heaven. <laughs> People aren't worried about you right now. They're good. Trust me, they're good. People need you right now. Jesus didn't come to say... Do some right things so that I can repay you those things. He said, no, I'm going to take care of everything for you so that you can reach out to other people because you have something in you that they need. That's right. This is reality. Your, your neighbor doesn't need your four steps to, to um, being a better Christian. Your neighbor doesn't need to find, uh, and there's, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with good advice. I'm not talking about that. But what your neighbor needs is the Holy Spirit, is the life that lives within you. They need to see it. And and, and we've talked about this before. You have to have $10,000 to give it away. You have to know that you have it. If if you have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, tell your face (laughs) sometimes. Awaken yourself to it, the reality of it. Open your eyes to it. It's in you. You don't have to try real hard. You just have to understand it. It's it's the revealing of truth. We don't don't get to determine truth. We get to discover it because it's within us, within the Holy Spirit. So we just align ourselves with what's already there. It's, it's really simple. I'm afraid I'm afraid we as Christians have made simple things complicated, and we're supposed to make complicated things simple. <laughs> when you receive Christ, you get the Holy Spirit. He's real. He's as real as the breath in our lungs, and He is within you. Now what you receive freely, you give freely. It's as simple as that. When you know that you haven't earned it, you know that other people don't have to earn it. When you know that you've received it freely, you know that you can give it freely. When you know that the God that lives within you and His Holy Spirit is good, then you can walk in the Spirit. And when this person offends you, you know that you don't abide in them, you abide in the vine. So that you can speak to them and say, okay, how can I help you? What can I do to help you? How can I pray for you? Listen. There, There is life so real and so abundant that people can see it in you without you saying a word. How many of you have seen that and witnessed it? I have. I've come close to people and had to take a step back because there was such a presence of the Holy Spirit on them. It's attractive. The reason it's attractive is because we're who does, it's who we're designed to be. It's in our DNA. So you don't have to convince people. You don't have to argue people into it. You just have to reveal it to them. They're going to be attracted to it. The Holy Spirit is attractive. Ah, this life is not just life forever. It is life forever. But guess what? Eternity, in just the definition of eternity, means right now too. Amen. It's not just when you die and go to heaven. It means then, now, and forever. It's all of that together. It's not just when you, we've made this, this heaven so far away. When Christ came to bring it to us. He said, I bring the kingdom of God with me. I bring the kingdom of heaven with me. I bring my kingdom with me. I bring my reality into your reality. So he didn't just come to give us life forever, but this is a type of life. This is a new life. So we have to redefine that. When when, when he says he brings us life, when he brings us eternal life, when he says that, he's not just talking about when you die and go to heaven and just leaving all this off. Like, good luck. (laughs) I created you. Now you're on your own. He didn't do that. Um, Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. Zoe, this, this abundant life that only Christ can give us. It's a new way of life. It is reality to us. Um, when I first got saved, I was taught to do three things, and some of you may remember this if if you went to a more traditional church. And these three things are great. Please don't please don't take this the wrong way. These are great things to do, and I still do them. But this is what the emphasis was on. Any of you know: pray, read your Bible, and witness. Those were the. Th- if I can narrow it down to the three things that, they, that that I was taught, most of those things were done out of obligation because I felt like I needed to do those things because now I'm a Christian that's what I'm supposed to do. I didn't really fully understand it all. Especially the witness part. It was very awkward going to people in Walmart and asking them if they knew Jesus. Just no conversation at all. Hey, are you going to hell? <laughs> some of the things we did were really ridiculous and a little odd. And, and I don't discount people can, the Lord can use people in any way, shape, or form. And, and I'm not discounting some of that stuff that we did because the Lord used it. But I will say this, I was, I, was I, th- I really think I was tricked into thinking that I had, uh, I had been saved into a system, a religious working system. I think that I was fooled into thinking that it was about what I was doing and I made it all about me. And the reality was, he just wanted to get to know me. He just wanted to know me. And he wanted me to know how good he was. Those three things were going to come. Those are the fruit, not the root. I got that from Joseph Prince. It's really good. That's the fruit, not the root. Um, the whole thing with, with with trying to address surface issues, one of the good things we talked to the leaders at, uh, I just thought about this, the, the uh, Light of the Village, I asked them, well, how do you deal with discipline? Obviously, there's a lot of kids around here, and there's got to be some kind of disciplinary action you do. And I said, how do you deal with discipline? How does that work? And she said, well, what we do is sometimes there's scuffles, not real bad fights. Sometimes there's scuffles. We'll separate them. We'll put them in the room, and there's this room we have, and they have a, a rope with knots in it, and they have to untie those knots. <laughs> and so as they're untying those knots, they kind of calm down and cool off. By the time they untie those knots, we go in and we talk to them. We say, look, don't tell us what happened. Tell us what you think you did wrong, and let's discuss that. And so they, they get down in the, and, they, and they get down on their level, and they talk to them, and they deal with the issue. They don't just, you know, sugarcoat it. But they deal with actually what's going on, why they're fighting, not this person did that. I did this. That's the surface. What's going on deeper? And so they get to the heart of it. And I love that. You you guys know if it's summertime, you cut your grass constantly and you just keep cutting it. <laughs> you keep cutting it, you keep cutting it, you keep cutting it. But if you pull it up by the root, it doesn't grow anymore. Does that seem logical enough? In the same way, when we focus church life on all the surfacey things, it'll never you'll never get to the root <laughs> of the problem. We, unfortunately, I think... And, and I think this is another reason why I never fit in a lot of churches when we first got saved. I was like, I don't know where to go. None of this feels right. I mean, I want to go to church. I know that that's where I'm supposed to be, but something's just a little bit off, and I think that's what it is. I think that's what it was, was there was this, such this, this machine of do of this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. You've got to do this this way, and there was this doctrinal thing. And another thing we talked about, they said some of the, some of the churches, some of the guys that come in there, their, their pants are sagging. And she said, you know, a lot of churches won't even let them in the door because of that. They try to address that right then. And she said, how do you think he's going to receive what I have to say to him if the first thing that I say is, you need to pull your pants up or you can't come in here? I mean, that's, listen, in the same way, I thought that's what Christian, I thought I had to get my life clean before I could come into church. And Christ says, you know, you come here as screwed up as you are. I'm that good. I'll take care of it for you. He is life, and He is real, and He is reality, and, and He's not concerned with your sagging pants right now. He'll, we'll get to that later. He's concerned with your heart. All that other stuff is You Pray, read your Bible. You'll do that. You'll naturally do it because it's who you are. God, it's so simple. We've really screwed it up. Um. When Jesus was crucified, they beat him. Um, they pulled the hair out of his face. They abused him very badly. And they hung him on the cross. They pierced him in his side. And what did, he, what did he do when he prayed for him? He said, Father, forgive him. Do you think he practiced that? Do you think he rehearsed it? Do you think he tried real hard to remember the words that he was supposed to say to these people that were murdering him? No. It's who he was. He bled love and forgiveness. In the very worst moments of his life, that's what he did. Listen, if we're cut, we need to bleed Jesus. (laughs) If we're pushed, we need to respond with love and forgiveness. Not once did any of those people say, hey, do you forgive us for pulling those hairs out of your beard? (laughs) Not once did they say, hey, will you forgive us for sticking that sword in your side? They didn't say any of that, did they? But he said, forgive them. And not long after that, uh, who was it? I wrote it down. Stephen. Stephen did the same thing. They were stoning him to death. Not once did they say, hey, my bad. (laughs) Sorry about that whole stoning thing. Will you forgive me? None of them said that. That's, That's what we do because it's who we are. We don't try real hard to do it it's the it's the reality of the life that lives in us it's the indwelling of the holy spirit so when we walk in the spirit we we bleed christ when we're cut and we're when we're pushed we respond with how he would respond not because we've been trained that way because it's reality us because it's the life that lives within us okay um 1 john 5:11 says and this is the testimony god has given us eternal life and this life is in his son the one who has the son has life. The one who doesn't have the son of God does not have life. You have the son. Thank God he's not a hoarder. <laughs> he didn't keep this to himself. The son received it from the father and he gave it to us. So all you have to do is receive it. You don't earn it. You don't. You surely don't deserve it. But you can receive it. The, Trinity, let me tell you this. Uh, Emily, will you come up and play real quick? I'm going to tell you this. I've got some other stuff I want to talk about, but I really feel like we have a few more minutes, and I really feel like we... Uh, I want to give you guys an opportunity to respond to this because I I, I thought about this story with Trinity. We were, we were in youth, um, and I was asking all the youth what their greatest fears were. We were talking about fear and not fearing. And uh, tr- I, I, everyone went through different things, and we all had different fears, and a lot of them were very similar. Um, and Trinity said... Uh, said, my biggest fear is that um, I would lose you. This is my daughter talking to me. I thought, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, that's a pretty big fear, I would imagine, but she said, my biggest fear is that, that you know you would die and I wouldn't have you anymore. And, and I said, really? I said, well, why is that? And she said, because you're just so full of life. And I thought to myself, wow, I'm awesome. <laughs> but as I was praying and walking around here this morning, I really I really realized that, that it's not me at all. What she sees in me is him. I'm not that awesome. <laughs> but him in me is, and I'll gladly boast in him. So if you guys will stand up with me, listen, he in you is a very big deal. And there's nothing wrong with boasting about it. There is a a reality in this life, in this Zoe life, that is beyond our understanding. It will always be a little bit further ahead of us. We've talked about it being mostly fun and slightly terrifying. (laughs) This Christian life is very real. You will have disappointments. I'm not going to pretend like everything's going to be perfect because it's not. I guarantee you, if you receive him, your life will be full and you will be satisfied regardless of your circumstances. Unfortunately, a lot of us have been told that everything's just going to be perfect when we get saved and we're not going to have any problems, we're not going to run any issues and I don't see that in scripture. But what I do see is people boldly moving forward and loving and forgiving moving in the Holy Spirit and walking by His Spirit and changing people's lives around them, regardless of their circumstances, in prison, threats of death, full persecution in everything that they did. But when they were cut, they bled Christ. (laughs) I know many of you, most of you. And I see Him in you. So we're going to, if we can do that song that you sang, Emily, we're going to go into this real quick. <clears throat> There's nothing special about the stage or these chairs or this carpet or me or anything. But there is something special about the Holy Spirit in you. And if He's speaking to you right now, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to it. And this isn't a religious thing or a tradition or anything. It's just a reality thing sometimes we do things in the physical to represent what's going on in the spirit so sometimes we come to the altar and we pray or sometimes we just sit down and we, we open our hands and I like to close my eyes because it, it, it I feel like it opens my spirit to his reality and I'm just open to receive what he has and I open my arms because he's good and I don't have to fear I don't, I don't do like this I open my arms because he's a good dad he's a good father so right now if he's just speaking to your heart I just want to give you an opportunity listen if you've never felt that love if you've never experienced uh, Christ's reality and his his spirit living inside you listen now's your, your opportunity to do it and it's not as complicated as you may have thought all you do is you just receive it you say thank you father Makes all things new. He will take your old life and he'll nail it to the cross, and he'll give you a brand new one. And guess what? It starts now. You don't have to wait until you die and go to heaven to experience His love and His power. You can experience it right now, today. Just as we go into this, we're going to worship just for a little bit, just or really as long as the Lord wants us to. Um, and then I'll dismiss you guys. If you guys need to go, I completely understand. But just I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to this. He's very real. Father, thank you for your reality. Thank you for your truth. Jesus' name.